Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Today's episode, we're talking about uh, WWE SummerSlam. It's another pay-per-view that happened over the weekend, as well as the fallout from Monday Night Raw, the episode that aired this past Monday, which I was actually live in attendance for. Um, I've... I'm starting to add more wrestling content. I probably now that football season is probably going to start, I might add a little bit more sport content to this uh, podcast and everything like that. So be on the lookout for more stuff as wrestling, you know, maybe football as I do into that because I do do a fantasy football thing. So be on the lookout for that. But anyway, we're going to talk about WWE SummerSlam. It was eagerly, it was easily, easily is the word. <laughs> It was easily probably one of the most anticipated SummerSlams probably in a long time. Uh, last year at SummerSlam, it was Roman Reigns versus John Cena, and they showed the epic comeback of Brock Lesnar, and, you know, a year in the making, a year later, and here we are in probably a last-man-standing match, and probably one of the best last-man-standing matches I think I've ever seen. It was really entertaining. The idea that Brock Lesnar drove a tractor you know, to the fucking arena, you know, to, I I guess a lot of people were saying that that's him making fun of Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns likes to take his time when he's down there, you know, take his time, uh, walking to the ring and things like that. So, uh, I've always believed that, you know, Brock Lesnar say what you want about him, but the guy is entertaining. He's starting to become a lot more entertaining in the last year that we've seen him and that match, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, it lived up to the hype. A lot of people are saying it's probably going to be the last time, and unfortunately, I think it is. Like, this rivalry has been going on since, like, WrestleMania, what, 31? You know, and we just did WrestleMania 39 last year, and that was the main event, again. And, you know, these guys, they, you know, credit to them, especially, um, especially, you know, Roman Reigns, you know, starting to take over and things like that, and... My biggest issue with the idea was the fact that he's kind of held the title on for so long, but it's like, dude, if nobody's going to beat him, what's the point of having a championship? Like, you know, when you hold the title on for that long, and then they try to compare him to guys like Bruno San Martino and Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund and Hulk Hogan, who had it for over like a 1,000, 2,000 days, and I was like, but that was back then. You know, like CM Punk said, you know, if, if guys now wrestled in Bruno San Martino's era, they'd have been champion for 20 years too. You know, but that's just kind of the whole thing. My my overall issue with Roman Reigns is that it, it with in recent events, if you if you have not heard by now, the whole issue with Vince McMahon exiting as chairman and CEO of WWE was a big shocker because, you know, the guy brought professional wrestling to a mainstream market better than anybody who had done it before him or since. And, you know, so for him to be gone and for Triple H, his son-in-law, to kind of take over, you know, the head of creative and things like that, he really brought his A-game. And this last man standing match, I hope, is what is is a sign of things to come. It was entertaining. It was good. I don't think, I don't think, honestly, I was hoping Lesnar would win so Roman can take some time off because he's a part-time, he's basically a part-timer anyway at this point. But then again, so is Brock Lesnar. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't want to see Lesnar and 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 Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle, another pay per view that I'm kind of looking forward to, because you know I always like seeing uh, 
you know, when wrestling kind of goes overseas, except for Crown Jewel and things like that. Like, the whole Saudi Arabia thing didn't really do much. But, um, but yeah, man, this last man standing match, it went back and forth. It had all the drama. Lesnar fucking almost flips the damn ring over literally with that, with that tractor and uh, things like that. And it was really entertaining to see that. It was cool to see Theory come out, and it looked like he was about to cash in but then get, you know, squashed by Brock Lesnar. The Usos come in, and that was also kind of cool and things like that. But um, overall, that was a good match. I would give that a four out of five. Four stars out of five. You know, that was something, you know, worth the main event at SummerSlam. Speaking of the Usos, the Usos defended their uh, undisputed tag team championships against the Street Profits again. Um, The first match at Money in the Bank last month in July was okay. It was a good start in that rivalry. But this one, the second one, this is a little bit better. It felt bigger. I don't know why, but I think it's because SummerSlam is a much bigger pay-per-view than Money in the Bank. And it really it is, because SummerSlam has been around since, what, 88, 89? So, you know, there's something there's something to be said there. And I thought that those those four guys really kind of uh, really kind of come into their own. The Usos are still dominant. They're dominant in a way that is, you know, they're probably the best tag team in all of wrestling right now. Well, in all of WWE, you know, I don't want to say too much about AEW or anybody else that's not there, but um, the Usos have come a long way. I think on the same, I think they're kind of on that same ascension as Roman Reigns did. You know, Roman Reigns was buried for so long and trying to be shoved down everybody's throat. He was Vince's guy and everything like that. And then, you know, it wasn't really clicking. But then once they turned him heel, it really kind of showcased him that. And I don't, and the unfortunate part for me anyway, is the fact that it kind of took, it took about a good six years for them to realize that. That's unfortunate because, I mean, it shouldn't take you that long to realize this guy would have been a much better heel than a baby face. I mean, he didn't really draw. I mean, the matches that he had as a face weren't all that great. You know, when he went up again, when he main evented WrestleMania the first time against Brock Lesnar, nobody really remembers that because the only thing they remember is Seth Rollins is cashing in. Then when he fought Triple H, that felt more of like the underdog story because of the whole authority stuff. You know, that was the only time. And then fought Lesnar again and again. Then he fought John Cena. Then he was fighting big guys, you know, Jinder Mahal and Braun Strowman and things like that. And But I was like, he's not, he, they're, they're not billing him the right way. You know, he shouldn't be billed the same way as, you know, the the big dog. You know, I didn't like that really at all. Now, when he came back in 2020, ironically, it was at SummerSlam, uh, but when he came back in 2020 and, you know, was really a bad guy, that's when I thought he kind of came into his own. The Usos, kind of the same thing. Like, when the Usos first came on the scene, they were just, you know, they were like the Wild Samoans, but like in a modern time. You know, 2016, they were those, those uh, the bright colors, kind of like John Cena and everything like that. It reminded me of when The Rock debuted back in 96. You know, he was wearing those tacky ribbons and everything like that and they thought it was going to be cool and it wasn't until they started wearing you know the whole black you know they they incorporated more black into their attire and they started kind of becoming a little bit more cool a little bit more edgier you know and things like that and that's when they really kind of came into their own as well then they became bad guys as well and I remember when they pushed Jey Uso as a single because I think Jimmy was hurt or just doing Total Diva stuff, but I didn't buy that at all because they didn't really have any plans for the Usos after that. 
now we got the bloodline and the bloodline the the usos and the street profits i thought was a good tag team match i sensed a little bit of a breakup right there between uh uh between dawkins and montez and um i thought there really was going to be you know i mean he had to match one a number of times and uh and things like that but uh, at the end, I was kind of, I mean, I can, I can see them planting seeds. And I, they even did it at, at um, they even did it at Money in the Bank. Because at Money in the Bank, Dawkins took the pin. At SummerSlam, Dawkins took another pin. And then, you know, fast forward to Monday Night Raw, you know, which was that Monday. And, you know, they did the same thing. The guys came out, they interrupted Seth Rollins. And Montez grabs the referee and runs down. And Montez really proved himself to be a good singles competitor. And I'm starting to think that they might bill him as the next bad guy because the idea that he no longer needs Dawkins or Dawkins is, you know, he's going to use Dawkins as an excuse. Like, man, you've been holding me back to see my full potential and uh, things like that. I thought, you know, but the match at SummerSlam was really good. Montez went one-on-one with Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw, which I thought was another good match. And I was like, damn, you're having high-quality matches on Raw. And that was interesting to see. Um, Montez Ford is, I I think he's going to be the the breakout star out of that group. No disrespect to Dawkins. But, you know, I think Dawkins could be, a good some somewhat good i feel like they're gonna go the shield route they're gonna break up and have them feud with one another for a while and see where that goes uh i'm not saying dawkins is like <laughs> gonna be the next dean ambrose or anything like that but uh i i if they go the breakup route uh you know I, I would think montez ford would be the bad guy you know i mean his wife had a pretty good match and there's a good segue right there montez ford is married to bianca belair and they had a good match Bianca Belair had a good match against Becky Lynch. I think this rivalry, in my opinion, the rivalry's gone on long enough. And then, of course, on Monday Night Raw, it's revealed that Becky Lynch has a separated shoulder. And she's going to be out for a few months or whatever, how long she's going to be out. And I think last year at SummerSlam, it was supposed to be, it was Bianca Belair versus, who was she fighting? She was fighting somebody else and then, and then, Becky Lynch came out and interrupted it because Becky Lynch made her triumphant return. They were building that, and, and that was the same thing like Brock and 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 uh, and Roman. They it started at SummerSlam, it culminated at WrestleMania, then they had the blow off match at SummerSlam, and I was like, eh, this kind of went on for a while. It kind of went on longer than it should, but I mean that's neither here nor there. Uh, I thought that was in, uh, that was a that was a pretty good match. It showed the true grit, and that that opened the show. At SummerSlam, and I thought that showed more grit from Bianca because she's kind of been running stale. She's kind of been she. It, it's okay to put her in the ring with Becky Lynch because Becky's a fucking pro. She's good. She can handle. She can you know hang with the best of them. You know she's one of the original four horsewomen. You know along with Charlotte and um, Bailey and Sasha Banks. And then the big curveball at the end, after Bianca and and Becky have their you know their truce and whatever. The return of Bailey comes out, you know, who hasn't been seen for almost a year, and she brings uh, uh, Dakota Kai and uh, and uh, Ivy Sky and all those other girls. And I was like, damn. My biggest thing, I was like, we've seen like two of those groups like that debut like that. Paige had Retribution with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, and then Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and what was her name? What was that third girl's name that was in the Riot Squad? And I was like, I don't want to see that. I really don't. 
Nikki Cross, that was her name. Yeah. So, uh, but I was like, I don't want to see that again. I was like, I feel like Bailey being the leader is good, and Bailey kind of being the next challenge for Bianca, that would be amazing because that would be kind of cool to see, like Bianca to go from one horsewoman to the next horsewoman, which and. By all means, I think Bailey's come along with too. Bailey was another one who was a fantastic uh, good guy, a fantastic baby face for a long time, but it kind of got stagnant over a while because she kind of kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then when she finally turned heel, that came out of nowhere and everybody liked that. And I think Bailey now, I think Bailey now is super underrated. Like her. You know, the the, the, the the tag team she had with Sasha Banks was really good, but over the last couple of years, you know, she's really kind of coming to her own as a heel, and it works for her. And I'm excited to see what they do with her, and hopefully it's her and Bianca at uh, Clash of the Castle, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's what it is. You know, or, you know, from what I heard, the rumor that it's going to be Bianca, it's going to be Bailey and, and, and her group against Bianca Belair and the returning Naomi and Sasha Banks. But... That's a far fetch, you know. The rumor is that Triple H is trying to get them to come back, but that's neither here nor there. But Monday Night Raw, after Bailey and Bianca kind of have this big kind of hug, kumbaya type moment, Bian- uh, Becky goes to the back, and then in, while Bianca's kind of giving this promo, hyping up uh, Becky, the camera cuts to backstage, and uh, Dakota, Bailey, and Ivy are all attacking Becky Lynch, and that was a cool moment right there. And uh, it was it was intense, you know. I was like, "Damn, they're really trying to make a name for themselves," and it was really cool to see that. Um, uh, while we're on the subject of the women's wrestling, so we're gonna jump to the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. I'm sorry, I am not buying Ronda Rousey as a WWE performer. She's good in the ring. Don't talk. She needs a she needs somebody to talk for her, like a Paul Heyman. I really don't buy her. I didn't buy her as a good guy. I didn't buy her as a bad guy because they put her against the wrong people. Like when she went up against Charlotte, nobody bought it. Nobody bought her as the good guy because they knew Charlotte was the one carrying the match. So when when it was um, when it was Ronda Rousey and uh, Natalia at Money in the Bank. That match was kind of so, like, slow pace and everything like that. Like, I understand that Natalia is a workhorse. She's good. You know, she, she's got the family uh, heritage with her and everything like that. But uh, to be honest, I think it's time for her. I don't, I don't want to say it's time for her to pack it in, but she, I don't think she should have been the one to kind of go up against Ronda Rousey. Now, Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan's character and the, 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 the character of Ronda Rousey don't mix well. There's no chemistry there. So for their match to kind of be all Ronda Rousey, you know, making her look, they made they really made Liv Morgan look weak. This is probably the worst match of the night. And, um, you know, then it had the screwed up ending, you know, where they have Liv's in the arm bar, but Ronda has her shoulders down. So the referee counts one, two, three, but when the referee gets to three, Liv Morgan taps out. But I don't know if Liv got her timing off because if you go back and watch the replay, she taps out first. And I was like, okay, that's dumb. And then Ronda Rousey gets uh, suspended indefinitely after she attacks Liv Morgan and a WWE official. I don't know if that's staged or not, but it's kind of making the rounds on social media. Like, she's really gone. And that kind of leaves it up in the air. What are they going to do with Liv Morgan? Because 
Liv Morgan, I, I really hate to say this. I like Liv Morgan as a character. Her in-ring stuff is really good. You know, she's come a long way since the Riot Squad. But my issue with Liv Morgan is that it's the same issue I have with, like, when the guys do it. There are some guys that are great chasing the championship, and there are some guys that are great holding the championship. Unfortunately, I think Liv Morgan falls under the car- under the category of chasing it. She's good fighting for the title. Like, she'll be a placeholder in the event that Charlotte comes back or, you know, uh, Sasha Banks or Naomi make their returns and everything like that. Like, she's good for now. But I don't really see the long-term uh, ramifications for Liv Morgan to be a long-running champion because, honestly, on the SmackDown roster with Charlotte gone, you know, technically she is she's hurt, but in reality she just got married and had her vacation. And then with Sasha Banks and Naomi, you know, walking out, the, the, the talent pool on SmackDown is not deep at all. There's really nobody left there. You know, I would think that they would bring some of the girls from NXT up like they did on Raw, but there's really not a whole lot of people that she could work with to get over. Like, I would like to see her with Shayna Baszler. That would be kind of cool. I would like to see her with uh, Carbella. That would also be cool. And... Um, you know, there there are some people that she could work with, but like I said, they're not going to book her long term. I like I as much as I'm a fan of Liv Morgan, I don't think she's going to be a long term champion. But who knows? You know, she might hold it till WrestleMania. She might hold it till you know the Royal Rumble. She might hold it till Survivor Series. You know, who knows? But uh, but yeah, this was probably the worst match of SummerSlam, and you know, I didn't SmackDown is tonight, so I don't know what the build what the backlash is going to be from that, but we'll see what happens. Next up, we have Bobby Lashley versus Theory in the rematch for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley is, without a doubt, one of the greatest United States champions of all time. When he held it now, when he held it in his original run back in the WWE, like in 05, 06, he was good. You know, he's a good guy to hold that title because he it, it, it validates it. You know, some guys, Triple H had a quote, the, the title doesn't make the guy. The guy makes the title. I think Bobby Lashley makes the United States title. Him and Theory. I think Theory does too, Not, but because Theory is being pushed to the moon and, you know, that fucking promo that they cut on him about your daddy's not here anymore because he was Vince's guy, you know, that kind of puts him, you know, in shark-infested water. You know, for him to win Money in the Bank to be kind of added at the last minute, that was saying something, but, you know, the match with Bobby Lashley was really good. It shows the the quickness of Theory going up against the almighty Bobby Lashley. It was, you know, it's like a David versus Goliath, but in this case, Goliath is the good guy. And uh, the backlash from that is the fact that, like, when, when we leave, so that ends the rivalry between Lashley and Theory. So Theory goes on to kind of do his own thing. To you, Now everybody's watching him because they want to know when he's going to cash in Money in the Bank. Whereas Bobby Lashley is already in another storyline because on Raw... They had two triple threat matches, kind of like a tournament style, to see who was going to face Bobby Lashley next week for the U.S. title. There was AJ Styles, Mustafa Ali, and The Miz in one match, and then Chad Gable, Dolph Ziggler, and Ciampa in another match. Styles won his, Ciampa won his. Both, both of those matches were really good. They were really good triple threat matches. And then uh, the triple threat match, the, the, the final 
match between those two, AJ and Ciampa, which I thought was really good. That should have been a pay-per-view match. I would love to send those guys. No, those guys did make appearances at SummerSlam, but they didn't, you know, they didn't really, you know, steal the show with anything. They're just kind of like sideline pieces. And on Monday Night Raw, they kind of stole the show. In my opinion, that was the best match of the night. In my opinion, that was better than the main event on Monday night. Uh, Ciampa won the match. So next week on Raw, Ciampa, Bobby Lashley, U.S. title. Looking forward to that. Speaking of Ciampa and The Miz, these two guys were involved at SummerSlam. It was The Miz versus Logan Paul. And I got to say, Logan Paul didn't impress me at WrestleMania. When it was Logan Paul and The Miz against the, the Mysterios, I thought that was a good match. I really did. I thought that was a good match. It was a good way for to for an outside wrestler to kind of sink his teeth in there. And he did pretty good. Now, with The Miz across the ring instead of in his corner, it was going to be something completely different. And they, in my opinion, they definitely still stole the show. They had, they had a pretty good match. Logan Paul shows what a great athlete he is. Uh, the Miz shows what a constant professional he is. That guy is super underrated, I think. By this point, if they're using him to get some of the new talent over, I'm all for it. The guy is a Hall of Famer in the making. I mean, it it didn't it doesn't make any sense that, you know, we have that he's not the one kind of leading the show. Anything Miz does, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, it's like, dude, the guy the guy's a star. The guy's come a long way. The guy's been in the game for what, fifteen years now and just been an absolute boss all the way through he's had some media he had a mediocre rise to the top but once he got to the top you realize that uh he was the one that everybody should have taken notice and said you know what this is real this is a guy that we're gonna bring he's the he's the villain he's the villain that the the superstar needs to go against whether it's john cena whether it's whether it was John Cena, whether it was CM Punk, whether it was any of the guys that were coming up in that 2010 run that he had. And even now in 2020, the guy is just on top of the world. I think he's great. Uh, the stuff that he does is – some of the stuff that he does is hilarious. He's a heel without trying to be funny. He's charismatic when he doesn't need to be. And he can – he has the, the audience in the palm of his hand. The guy, is a, the guy is a rock star. He really is. He's like a modern-day – you know, he's like a modern-day, I would say he's a modern-day Ric Flair. The only difference is he's actually married, and Ric Flair wasn't. You know, I don't think he's got the same in-ring prowess as Ric Flair, um, but I do think that The Miz is definitely a Hall of Famer in the making. I mean, the guy's won multiple championships, triple crown winner twice. I mean, the guy's just, he's unstoppable. Logan Paul signed with the WWE, which kind of took me by surprise. I wonder, if, you know, if he's going to be involved in anything or if he's just going to do like a major pay-per-view here and there. Like, are they going to use him at Clash of at Clash of the Castle? Or is he going to wait till Survivor Series? Whatever the case may be. But um, I was really impressed with Logan Paul's performance at, at, uh, at SummerSlam. You know, when he makes the dive from the outside onto the table, that was fucking cool. That kind of took me back to the old days when, you know, when wrestling was much more entertaining. Uh, I'm not saying it's not entertaining now, but what I'm saying is that, you know, that, that's the wrestling that I grew up on. So, Next up, we have... Oops. All right, I'm sorry. Okay, next up, 
we had the um who else did we have there was a lot of stuff uh at SummerSlam there was a lot of stuff going on at SummerSlam that a lot of people just kind of ignored uh the idea that Seth Rollins was not going to be there. A lot of people thought that he was going to face a mystery opponent, but unfortunately, Matt Riddle came out there. Um, Matt Riddle came out there and got his ass kicked, even though they told him uh, uh, not to do it. And everything like that, and he mentions Randy Orton and things like that. That's another thing. There's a lot of guys on the... There's a lot of guys on our... Um, on the injured reserve list, and it it fucking sucks. Now that now first Randy Orton went down, and then Matt Riddle goes down, and it was supposed to be this match between Rollins and Riddle, and uh, things like that, but it didn't happen. Riddle calls out Rollins. Rollins kicks his ass. I thought <laughs> I actually thought Rollins beating the crap out of uh, of Riddle was kind of funny, because you know Riddle's out there with his you know cut off sweatshorts, sandals, and muscle shirt. And then here comes Seth Rollins in his bright-ass fucking orange, you know, collared shirt and slacks. And he, he looked like fucking Jim Carrey from uh, from Dumb and Dumber. I thought it was hilarious. But, you know, he goes out there, they squash, and that, that, that was entertaining to see. And then to see Rollins come back and cut that promo right before he's interrupted by the Street Profits. But he cuts the promo saying he's got his eyes set on Roman Reigns because with Roman Reigns now going to Clash of the Castle to face Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins wants in. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they split the brands properly. There should be two champions. There should be, the WWE champion should be on Raw, and they should get rid of the Universal title and bring back the World Heavyweight title and put that on SmackDown. The U.S. title should be on SmackDown, like kind of how it used to be from 2002 to 2008 or nine. That whole 2000s run should have been like that. SmackDown have, have SmackDown have, the World Heavyweight and the United States title along with their own tag team and their own women's. That is perfectly fine. Raw have the same thing. Raw have the WWE, the Intercontinental, their own tag team, and their own um, their own uh, and their own women's championship and things like that. So you know, I don't understand why they can't just split the brand. There was no need to merge the championships together. I know that was a Vince McMahon thing, but I'm hoping with Triple H now in control, he can split it back up because it's kind of getting ridiculous now. You know, I would like to see two brands, two champions, two rival. Competition comes from within. If you have nobody to compete with, because AEW, Impact Wrestling, Global Force, whatever you want to call it, Lucha, Lucha Underground, whatever the wrestling, other wrestling promotions are out there, they're no competition to WWE. Say what you want. AEW may have some better wrestlers. They're just not being used properly. Um, Impact, Global Force, whatever you want to call it, they just have a bunch of the cast-offs. Nobody's really watching them, you know, because obviously they're not on a major network, so who, would, who the fuck would watch them? But the playing field has become saturated, you know. I think, so... The match, one match at SummerSlam that I forgot about, which I, I was thinking about now because the main event at Monday Night Raw played a part in it. So it was Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic versus the Judgment Day, um, Finn Balor, Damian Priest. That group went downhill after they got rid of Edge because that was that, that the whole point was for Edge to kind of take underutilized talent and make a run. You know, that was supposed to be like a modern-day Ministry of Darkness, like... Finn Balor taking over was like 
why he he he's not underutilized. He's a former he's a former United States champion. He's a former he was the first technically yeah, he was the first uh universal champion and things like that. He was already established, you know? I don't understand why they would turn their back on Edge like that. Then those vignettes kept playing that somebody was coming back, and you knew it was going to be Edge and uh, things like that. But Edge making his return at SummerSlam uh, during the ma- uh, uh, after the match and everything like that was really cool. It was cool to see that, you know. And then he comes out on Monday Night Raw to the old original Edge song by Alta Bridge and uh, things like that. And then uh, it was cool to see that, that he's going to bring down the Judgment Day no matter what. The Judgment Day, they're, they're kind of just chopped liver, you know. With, without Edge, it doesn't work. It's like saying we're going to have the four horsemen without Ric Flair. You know, it doesn't work. You know, it, 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 it never would have worked. Uh, I don't understand why they thought. Damian Priest is a guy who definitely needed that stepping stone to get to a higher, a higher place on the card. I don't think Finn Balor needed it because I would have had Finn Balor return to the Demon King. You know, have him go up against somebody like that. Like, have him go up against, like, Edge or something like that in that persona. That would have been badass. But that's neither here nor there. The main event at Monday Night Raw was a tag team championship match between the Usos and the Mysterios. That was really good. You know, honestly, you honestly thought the Us- the, the Mysterios were going to win. They were back and forth. It kept going nonstop, near fall after near fall. It was really good. It shows you what a professional Ray is. It shows you what a... A lot of people like to talk shit about Dominic, and I don't think that's fair because, you know, he's a kid. You know, he's still kind of learning behind his dad, but eventually he is going to have to kind of break out of the shell and break from under the shadow and things like that because a lot of guys who are in their father's footsteps, never get out of that shadow. David Flair couldn't do it. Brian Christopher couldn't do it. Um, uh, who else did it? The only one, that, in my opinion, that actually can do it is what's-his-name from NXT. Um, I can't remember his name, but I know he's one of the Steiner's son. But, you know, he has no correlation towards them at all, really. But he's starting to come up really good. So... For Ray and Dominic to kind of get that close to winning the championship, and then after the match is over, after, you know, the Usos barely get by on the Mysterios, the Judgment Day come down and they attack uh, the Mysterios once again, but here comes Edge to make the save and everything like that. That was really cool. That was really cool to see that. Uh, I, don't know if it, I don't know if Edge is going to join forces with the Mysterios. I hope not, but... Um, I'd much rather see Edge form like another group, maybe you know bring in somebody else and see what happens. Uh, maybe Bray Wyatt, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe bring in another chick to go up against Rhea Ripley, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. But I think that covers about everything. Bianca Belair had a match with uh, Ivy Sky, which was kind of underwhelming because Bailey and Dakota came down, but. Because Bailey and the two girls attacked Asuka and Alexa Bliss between their match, they came down, and it was kind of like a three-on-three throwdown, which I love when, you know, the shit gets out of control like that because it's entertaining. You can see all these, you know, characters kind of come to life and everything like that. So it was really cool to see that. Um, I'm not sure where they're going to go from this point. I know they're going to they're gonna build for Clash at the Castle, which is supposed to be in Wales, which is supposed to be... 
Uh, Drew McIntyre's, you know, neck of the woods. He's going up against Roman Reigns for the title. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with a lot of these storylines that are kind of open-ended at this point. And we'll see what happens as the the weeks and months come by. But anyways, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. Like I said earlier, I, I might be adding more sports content because I really did want to talk football. Now that football season is about to start, the Hall of Fame game was uh, last night. The Raiders and the Jaguars, I really think the Raiders look pretty good. Um, uh, you know, We'll see what happens with that. I'm still going to keep doing uh, the wrestling stuff because you know, I started to get back into it since WrestleMania and uh, things like that. But I will be on the lookout for more episodes regarding movies and shows. Uh, I just finished season three of The Boys, so I might cover the entire episode of The Boys, like the entire series, seasons one, two, and three. So be on the lookout for that. I have not seen the movie Nope yet. I have not seen Super Pets yet. And I got a bunch of things going on. I don't know if you can tell by the sound of my voice, I am kind of coming down from, I'm coming out of this cold that I've been having the last couple of, you know, since Tuesday, I think, and here it is already Friday, but anyways, that's going to be all for today's episode, if you like the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Odyssey, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from, be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21 on all platforms, um, did you enjoy SummerSlam, did you enjoy Monday Night Raw? Are you looking forward to Clash at the Castle? Whatever the case may be, let me know on Twitter or Instagram. Be on the lookout for more episodes as they drop. I will be covering uh, the movie Hunt, or not Hunt, Prey, uh, the new Predator film that was dropped on Hulu uh, over the weekend. And I will be dropping some other stuff uh, here in the coming weekend. And be sure to be on the lookout for it and just be on the lookout for anything and everything that I put out. And, of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness.